I want to invite you to pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Let's just pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's good to see you. <laughs> you are awesome. Um, let me read this, uh, these first couple of verses from the book of James. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so I count it joy to be with you tonight. It is a great joy to me. I have not sat in this seat in, in quite a while. Uh, eight weeks ago, I was uh, sitting on my front porch. I was actually finishing up a, a manuscript for a book that I've been working on for almost a year now. And the book's about how, um, how God works in the breaking points in your life. Like when you're breaking, that it's actually an opportunity not just to break down, but, but to, to break in a way um, where you can find real and true life, that Jesus is in the suffering. And so I was putting the finishing touches on that on my front porch. I was having a great morning, Gary. I sat down on my front porch swing. I had a cup of coffee, and I leaned up against the back of our front porch swing, and I put my back right into a wasp, and he stung me good. <laughs> and I'm from the country. I've been stung by more than a few wasps in my day. I didn't think that much about it. Um, but because he stung me good, I did go inside, and I sat down. I put my computer on the kitchen table, and I looked at the um, computer. The words were kind of blurring together, and I did not feel good. And I told my 17-year-old daughter, Mary, who was in the kitchen, I said, Mary, I think dad's about to pass out. And then I said, um, Mary, I need you to call your mom. Rachel was out for a walk. And I don't remember anything after that. Um, Mary called 911 and saved my life. Now, Rachel was there just in a heartbeat, and she... Um, she called out to Jesus on my behalf. Our girls said they never heard mama pray like that. I, w I had an anaphylactic reaction to this wasp and I had a seizure. I was unconscious for eight minutes. And I woke up and Rachel was by my side. And my dad was by my side. I don't know how the heck he got there. Um, there were paramedics there. They were asking me questions. And so for the last eight weeks, my brain has been waking back up. My body has been waking back up, and I just wanted to start tonight by saying thank you to you all because um, I haven't been able to be here like I usually would, but I received everything you gave me. All the food, all the prayers, all the cards, I received those. In fact, the leadership of the church came to my house, and they told me, they said, we want you to receive from the church and not to give to the church for a while. We just want you to receive. And I, I did that. I followed their orders, right, Rach? And so I just wanted to say thank you, God, for Providence Church in my life. 
And so I wanted you to know when I was in the hospital, I didn't feel like a preacher or a pastor or somebody who might think they could write a book or know a lot about the Bible. I just felt like somebody that needed Jesus really bad. <laughs> I called upon his name. And I told God that if I got another chance to be in this seat, that I would preach Jesus Christ and him crucified until that chance was over. Because when I was in the hospital, and even after that, my focus was uh, not on doing something for him. It was just being loved by him. To know that he is all and he is in all. That he's everything to me and he's in everything. That on my lips was the name, Jesus, 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 Jesus. So I'm just so happy. I'm joyful to be here. <laughs> I've been listening to God over the last couple of months more than I ever have. I need to confess. I have some confessions I'll have to make. And I've been listening. I, for weeks, I wasn't able to watch TV or study the word or, or preach or write or sing or nothing. I just was uh, with my own brain that was waking up, my body waking up. But something else happened to me, guys, in the midst of this is my heart began to wake up. Like I didn't realize I had a tired heart. I'd worked too hard and I'd worked too much. Then I had Daryl, I'd actually chased God's work sometimes when I should have been chasing God. And so I can confess to you as someone who's put too much emphasis on what I can do. So my heart began to yawn and stretch and wake up again. So glorious. And I'm, I want to share that with you tonight because as I've come back to my better senses, uh, I've seen how tired you are. I've seen, as your pastor, I've seen in your eyes that, uh, that look of fatigue, that kind of when's it going to be over is in all the eyes that I'm looking in. And so last week, I was just feeling kind of, uh, I was frustrated that I wasn't all the way better, you know? <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever just been frustrated because you're frustrated. Like, I was just like sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was discouraged that I was still discouraged. Is this making sense? I was just like over it, you know? And so here's what I did. I, I started uh, putting on the armor of God. Like, we've talked about this, right? In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, there's this great passage. And it's so wonderful for somebody like me to easy to memorize because it's like putting on an outfit. And clearly, I'm pretty good at putting on an outfit. And so God's outfit, this spiritual armor... I just started putting it on because I was, I was frustrated. And we, 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 I just kept felt like we kept getting one hit after another, you know? Does anybody relate to that? Like we had a kid that was sick and it just kept going on. And so I, I said, I'm gonna, this is a spiritual thing that's happening. And so I put on the helmet of salvation and I put on the breastplate of righteousness and I put on my belt of truth and I held the sword of the spirit in my hand, which is the word of God and, I, and the shield of faith. But some of y'all have come here a while. Y'all know that my favorite article in the armor of God is the shoes. And actually the Bible doesn't say that it's shoes. It just says that your feet will be fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, which is sort of a mouthful. And so I just always thought of it as my peace shoes. And so I wait to put the shoes on last because I like to think about when I walk around with the spiritual armor, that every step I take is peace, 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 peace. And I wasn't feeling peace. And so I decided, I've never done this before. I decided that I was actually gonna change my shoes, my physical shoes on my feet. 
I had some shoes on, but I've got these, this red pair of shoes. And you might think, why do you have a red pair of shoes? And I would say to you, why don't you have a red pair of shoes? I have a very audacious pair of red shoes. And I went and I sat down. They were in the living room where I'd taken them off and I hadn't put them up, but they were there the next morning. And so I sat down on the couch and I was going to kind of Mr. Rogers it, you know, like take the shoe off, put a shoe on. And I bent down to pick up my red shoes and right on the tip of my red shoe was a big black locust in the house. I haven't had good luck with bugs lately. (laughs) And I said, no, sir, locust. Remember, I have brain damage, okay? But I did. I just said, I, I said, I said, I rebuke you, locust. Those are my peace shoes. I'm a child of God. I follow Jesus. And I picked up the sho- both of the shoes and I went out into the front yard and I just talked to that locust for a moment because in the midst of all that I've been through, my biblical memory has not been affected And I still remember the word that has been planted in my heart since my mom and dad planted in me when I was a little boy. And I remembered these stories in the Bible about locusts, more than one, but the one that came to my mind is in the book of Joel. And I'm standing there holding a shoe with a locust on it. Am I really talking about this, right? Okay. And, And I remember it in Joel that there are these swarms of locusts that come. And there's a bunch of them. Like there's a first swarm, they call them the cutting locusts. And it says what the cutting locust doesn't get, the next swarm, the swarming locusts come and they do all this devastation. But it says what the swarming locusts don't get, the hopping locusts get. So the hopping locusts come and what the hopping locusts don't get, the next swarm of locusts come. They're called the destroying locusts. And you can just imagine after there's been four swarms, swarms of locusts and the last one's the destroying locusts, everything is taken away. And I know that sounds crazy. Like you could just say, well, there was just a bug on your shoe, right, Jacob? Well, I guess, but I was praying in the spirit when I was putting on the spiritual armor. And when you're praying in the spirit, sometimes you can see things in the spiritual realm. And that's what I thought was happening with this big bug that was on my shoe. Right now I'm in the front yard where another another bug tried to take me out. And so I said, I rebuke you. I'm not gonna let you be on my peace shoes. And in Joel chapter one, it says, after all those locusts do all that devastation, it says that the people's joy withered away. Not after one swarm, but after thing, after thing, after thing. The people of God said, we don't have any joy. And it wasn't hard for me to imagine a season where one locust swarm after another just took the people of God's breath away. It reminded me of like, you know, the tornado came to our town. It took our breath away. It took our schools away. But what the tornado didn't get, COVID-19 showed up and a lockdown. And what COVID-19 and a lockdown didn't get, then uh, I'm trying to remember. Then we all fought about masks for a while and it just kind of wore us out. And what us fighting about masks didn't get, it ended up being November and there was a presidential election. And what the political divide didn't take away from us, then there was another thing that came. And now there was another uh, mutation of the, and it's just like one thing after another. And I'm looking at the people of God and I'm standing that and saying, it feels like our joy is withering away. 
But what I remembered from Joel standing in my front yard, the only verse I really had memorized is Joel 2, 26. And it says, God says, I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. I love that. It doesn't just say, I'll give you back all the stuff. It says, I'll give you back the time. We're like, how, how long is this gonna last, God? How long have we been in this? But God's promising, I will restore to you what the locusts have taken away. So I want you to see this word, restoration. It's a word I've been holding on to. I think it's what we desire. This desire that we have that lost things would be given back to us. We've lost lives. We've lost loved ones. We've lost important events. We've lost celebrations with family. We've lost connection with family and some of these divides that have been around. Uh, my daughter's in her senior year. You know, there've been kids who've lost moments in their senior year. There've been some of you who have lost moments in your senior years that you thought would look different. And God says, I will restore it to you. I will restore it to you. I will restore to you what the locusts have eaten. So I'm in my front yard. <laughs> I'm still in the story, right? I'm in the front yard and I flick that locust off, not with my fingers, but like with the other shoe. And I put on my peace shoes and I marched around my house. Because I remember Pastor Mark telling us about David. He said, I'm going to be even more undignified than this. And I prayed out loud as I marched around my house. And when I came to the room of my daughter who was sick, I prayed for her healing in Jesus' name. And I prayed over each room and I prayed for peace, 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 peace. And I'll just tell you, I've marched all the way around this church. I did it again today. And I prayed that every, every piece of area inside of where my feet marched would be filled with peace tonight. I'm praying that you can feel peace tonight. But I, after I walked around the house, I had this Bible and opened up to Joel to see what God really was saying there. I know this is a series in James, but I don't really care, okay? <laughs> and <laughs> so uh, I looked in Joel right after the locust. I'd never noticed this, but right after God says, I'm gonna restore to you what the locusts have eaten, it says, and afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. In what days? In what days? After God restores all that has been broken. After God restores the crops that have been eaten by the locusts. And afterward, I'll pour out my spirit. Now you've, you've heard those verses, maybe not from Joel chapter two, but a lot of us have heard it in Acts chapter two. These are the verses that are said by Peter on the day that the church is born, when the spirit is poured out uh, on the day of Pentecost, uh, as we know it. These are verses that we usually think about when we talk about revival. So I want you to see that word, revival. And we have been, and churches all across our community, Daryl Crouch is here with us. He's one of my dear brothers. He leads everyone's Wilson in our community, Pastor Green Hill. We've been praying, I mean, he goes to all the churches. What's there? Everybody's praying that, that Jesus' church would be revived in America. Everybody sees that there is evil and darkness that is prevailing across our land. Everybody sees that one locust swarm after another and after another have coming. And we've been praying for revival. But what hit me is you can't have revival until you have restoration. You, uh, so I've got some little diagrams. So restoration comes before revival. And what I'm talking about here is in that first revival uh, of the people of God in Acts chapter two, something very important had come before that. Jesus' crucifixion on the cross, the crucifixion of his human body, but also the crucifixion of death and sin. And then the resurrection of his body led to the great restoration of all that the people of God had been hoping for. And then wait for it, the spirit is poured out. 
power, crazy things are happening and Jesus' name is being spread to thousands and thousands and thousands. That's how it happened. Restoration is something we should be praying for before revival. And then my eyes glance back just a little bit. I'm still in Joel chapter two. All of this is in Joel chapter two. I glance back in Joel chapter two before uh, the revival, before the locusts being restored. And there's a verse there that I went back and looked and I have and Mark has and I saw Angela had uh, and Regina had. We had prayed, we've preached over 10 times in this, in this space, this verse. And it says this, rend your heart and not your garments. The reason we preach that is we do it on a day called Ash Wednesday when we're getting ready to get ready for Easter, for the restoration. So what this is talking about, what rend means is to tear. And so what God is saying to the people before the restoration happens, he says, tear your heart, not your clothes. Now, the reason he's saying that is because when they had great devastation, when a swarm of locusts comes and then it's followed by three swarms of locusts, they would have actually torn their clothes, put ashes on their heads, put on sackcloth as a way of saying, God, we are burnt out. God, we're frustrated being frustrated. We're tired of this. And so they tear their clothes, you know, like as a symbol of that. But what God's saying is he says, I see your torn clothes. Is anybody's heart torn though? I don't know if that makes sense. So like, like it's almost like God's saying, are you letting your heart be broken by the pain and the condition of your land? Are you just, um, are you just making a show of it? And I, I was convicted thinking about how we are um, moaning and groaning in this season and how I have been moaning and groaning and had these symbols, these ways of people seeing. I haven't, I kind of got off Facebook, you know, I just need to tell you that. Because I get on there, it's just, we're, we, it, it looks like a bunch of torn clothes. This moaning and groaning and memes being shared and all this. And this is what I'm angry about. And this is how bad it looks and all that. But it's like God saying, fine, who's going to tear their heart? What this verse is about is repentance. Okay, Repentance which means we would tear our hearts before God. And I would say, I'm sorry, God, that I've looked to other gods. I would say that. And I would say, I'm sorry, God, I've, I've allowed myself to be shaped more by culture than by your word. I'm sorry, God, I've been following, you know, political mandates, not the commands of God. I'm letting myself be shaped and discipled by something other than Jesus. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm so sorry about that, that my heart is broken. You see, we want revival, but before revival, we have to allow God to do a restoring work. But before that can happen, we have to repent. So I've got that one, Jay. It's repentance leads to restoration, which leads to revival. So I thanked God for all these R words. You know, I've had a career of manipulating words and looking into thesauruses to try to make words all have the same start. And I didn't have to do that with this. They're, they're all there in the scriptures. And then I read one verse behind uh, Tear Your Heart, and it says this, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Return to the Lord your God, for he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Some of you may have been thinking when we're talking about repentance, you're like, I wouldn't even know where to start with repentance. And the reason is you can't start with repentance. First, you have to start with returning to God. And when you come to God, you find a place where you can say, I'm sorry. So 
First we return, okay? And then we repent, and then there's restoration, and then there's revival, at least outlined here in Joel, and I think even in the story of Jesus and Acts. I know this a lot. I'm not just trying to show you a scripture tonight. And the reason I uh, am pausing on James for a moment is because I think God gave me a vision for our church's future and even my future in ministry. Because my passion and the vision of this church is seeing disconnected people from God find hope, healing, and wholeness in Jesus Christ. And to do that, we're going to have, I am going to have to have a better understanding of what God's actions are and what my actions are. And so I gave these four R words. Two of them are actions that we do. We return, we repent. And then two are actions of God. You see it to, to restore and to revive. That's something God does. But actually, uh, there are, uh, there's an action that we do and an action that God does in each one of these stages. And I want to show it to you tonight. So when we think of that returning stage, there's something that happens before that. And that is God working a rescue plan. So God rescues and we return. When you look at the book of Joel and you see these locusts and all that's happening, what God is trying to do is set up a rescue for the people of God. He says, even now I'll take you back. Even now, if you'll return, God is working rescue. And so as God does that, we return. The next part is we see that God actually relents and we repent. So repentance, all, all the things that we do in life towards God are a response to something God has done. So God is someone who wants to make the wrong right and so there is a judgment to be executed on his part in the midst of this. And so what he's saying is, I relent. Why? Because we see the nature of God is slow to anger, abounding in love, gracious and compassionate. And then when we get to God's restoration, our response, you're gonna like this, is to rejoice. God restores and we rejoice. Listen to this verse. It says, be glad, people of Zion, Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he's given you the autumn rains because he's faithful. So something I want us to begin to look for are the autumn rains, okay? That we would look for the rain that God is gonna send because God is faithful. And our response when God begins to work this restoration, so we're gonna see this big restoration happen. I'm believing it in, in the midst of our land, in the midst of this church, we're gonna see this big restoration. Here's our response. We rejoice. We count it all joy. We count it all joy. And then as God revives, this one's even easier. You just receive. And I've been thinking all these years, I've been trying to set up revival. I've been trying to, to see revival and make it happen. Well, the response to revival is just to receive. <laughs> we don't set up revival. Uh, and so we put our emphasis instead on seeing the people of God return and setting up a place where people can repent. And, and this is an age and a time when we're going to have to repent. Newsflash. <laughs> um, Christianity and following Jesus is going to become uh, less and less popular in this age. And so we will have to decide, you know, how committed we are to following Jesus and his commands as it becomes less and less popular. And we receive the power that God wants to to give us. So I wish I could be done here, but uh, back on the front porch, I'm holding the Bible and I just do crazy stuff now, you know? And I just said to God, I was like, that's a lot of R words. They're going to think I manipulated that and made that up, but they can go and look and, and see them. But I, I told God, I said, if there's another R word that you do in Joel, I'll tell them what it is, no matter how weird it is. And so I, 
I went from Joel chapter two to Joel chapter three, and right there, there's this thing that God says he's gonna do. And it started with the letter R. And in Joel three, verse 16, God says he is going to roar. That's what the word says. Here, I'll read it to you. The Lord will roar from Zion. Thunder from Jerusalem. The earth and the heavens will tremble. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. When things on earth are not as they should be, God has a... Um, impenetrable track record of making things right. Does that mean we should be afraid of God? I don't think that's the word or the way our ancestors would tell us, but some would say you should fear God. And that's different than being afraid like God's going to get you. It, it's, it's, it's more saying, um, well, God's going to roar and make all the wrong things right. So I am in awe of that God and I have a fear of that God. It reminded me of the, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, which is a children's book by C.S. Lewis or a series of books. And uh, in that book, Aslan is the figure who represents Jesus. You, many of you have seen the movie or whatever. And um, Aslan is a lion. And in the story, Narnia, this land that they live in, has become totally unrecognizable to the Narnians because of evil because of thing after thing after thing that evil has executed. This white queen has made an eternal winter, no Christmas. And so uh, these kids come into Narnia and they have this sense and people begin to tell them that they're gonna be a part of the restoration of Narnia. How could that be? And they're referred to as uh, two daughters of Eve and two sons of Adam. And there's this scene where uh, the four kids are hiding out. Everybody's hiding out. They're, they're, they're in their places, right? And they're with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And they're hearing about Aslan, the great king who's going to save them. They're like, this sounds good. And they realize that what they're talking about is a lion. And Susan especially, is, is she says, I couldn't stand before him. I would be scared to stand before him. And she asks this question. She says, well, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king. We want Jesus Everybody's calling out to Jesus. We want him to be safe. Is he safe? I don't know. He'll turn your life absolutely upside down. Uh, everything will change, but he's good. He's the king. And we will find refuge in uh, sometimes Jesus referred to as the, the lion of Judah, the roaring lion of Judah. All right, here's the deal. We are in a battle right now. And we can choose safe or we can choose Jesus. Which of course we're safe in Jesus, but like you realize we're not safe from wasp things, COVID-19 and tornadoes. There's all kinds of things that can happen in this world. I choose Jesus. And so we have this God who is roaring and I know this is too much, but I haven't been able to do it in a long time, guys. So just hear me out, okay? Three times in Joel chapter three, where we read about the God who's gonna roar, it says that the people of God will be roused. Three times, here's what it says this. It says, um, 
uh, I will rouse the warriors. I will rouse the nations. And it says, I am going to rouse them out of the places to which they've been sold and put. So all that means is, guys, is we're going to wake up when God roars. <laughs> and so I just wanted to say to you tonight, as somebody's heart has been waking up, I just want to say, wake up, people of God. Wake up to what God wants to say. All right, so that, this was a great start to our series on James. <laughs> I'm so glad that you came tonight. I told Rachel on Tuesday, I was like, I think I'm supposed to talk about all the Joel stuff. We're talking James. And she's like, that's totally what they would expect you to do, Jacob, is just mess it all up. Um, but look at the verse again, and we're going to keep rolling on in the weeks to come. Consider it pure joy, <laughs> my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces pure perseverance. Wake up, people of God. The hard thing we're going through right now will not be wasted by God. So don't let our joy wither in the suffering. Let's consider it joy that we are undergoing this right now because it is producing in us a strength, a perseverance that will actually allow us to join in the battle with King Jesus who has the will and the way to rescue our land. And we will put our focus on Him, only on Jesus. When, when, he, when other things are trying to steal away from us our joy, we will consider it joy that we're in this right now because we know that what is happening is producing in us something that God is going to use for His glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's stand. <laughs>